0: Um, so who was here last time, a, a week ago, so about half of you. All right, let me get my marker out. So <coughs> my name's Andrew Moon. Like, uh, like Donald said, I'm a professor here at VCU like, in philosophy. Um, and, s- well, okay, let me look at my little notes here to figure out what I'm supposed to be saying. I'm a professor here at VCU. Okay, I already said that. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, okay, it's good to be here. Um, and I look forward to being, to being able to share some ideas with y'all um, about this topic. So the topic last time was uh, God, Suffering, and Evil. Um, <coughs> I'm going to review a couple main points from last time. But uh, um, let me tell you how I got interested in this topic. Uh, we're going to focus on one big instance of suffering and maybe evil, uh, hell. Okay, so... And the general topic is whether you can kind of make or show to be compatible the existence of God and uh, uh, an everlasting help where people might be forever. That's that's a a pretty, it sounds like a pretty bad place. Um, So that's kind of going a little more in-depth. I got interested in this topic, like I mentioned last time, I grew up in a Christian home. And um, I remember being in my church youth group and sitting there, um... with with my other church friends, and I just like, it suddenly struck me that this idea of people going to hell for eternity was a bit overkill. (laughs) I was like, that seems a bit much, doesn't it? Um, And I remember just like immediately thinking, um, like, I didn't have a good answer to that question. And so, so that's where I got interested in the topic, and I'm still interested in this topic. Um, So, that's the topic that we're going to be talking about, and... First, I'm going to give a couple quick reminders of some things from last time. So last time was a little bit more about how to reconcile the existence of God with just evils more generally. Evils we see on this earth. You don't have to go to the afterlife to see evils. There's a lot of evils here. Um, and I, I pointed to two different ways people can try to reconcile uh, the, the existence of evils and God. Uh, one is to appeal to what are called theodicies. And uh, um, if this were of my class, I'd be like, Fred, what do you remember about what theodicies are? But I guess this isn't my class, so I'll just uh, be a little more straightforward. A theodicy is supposed to be a reason why God would allow evil, and we talked about possible theodicies. Um, like, if God wants a world with things like courage or compassion or forgiveness, notice each of those things requires some sort of evil, arguably, um, in order to exist, if if there's no uh, evils, there's nothing to be courageous about, um, nothing to be compassionate about, nothing to forgive, um, and no loving self-sacrifice. So those, are, uh, those point to the direction of a theodicies. And one thing I want to build on a little bit more from last time is a lot of these combine in really interesting ways. So some people think God really wants a world with free creatures, right? And that's good. But if you have free creatures, we talked about this last time, then they might go wrong. But if you have wrong, then there's an opportunity for other people to be courageous, right, and to sacrifice themselves, and also brings about the possibility of justice. So, I mean, each of these things is intertwined, right? Um, Okay, but theodicies are kind of limited. I mean, when you look at the really, really, really bad evils, then any suggestion for a theodicy, uh, you know, God will allow that. Let's say it's... um, an instance of somebody's being in prison in, a, in, um, in another country for many years, right? Like, undergoing torture, and he, God did that so that you could have free will. Yeah, it just, it seems to fall flat a little bit. And so we talked about another view called uh, skeptical theism. Okay? And the skeptical theist, I, there's, I gave more precise definitions last time. There's handouts from last time too. But uh, um, the idea is, um, the skeptical theist says, you know, it's true that we can't think of a reason for why God would allow certain evils. But we would expect that. I mean, right? We're pretty finite. Um, God's, it's very likely that God would know reasons of which we don't know. So it, it's not surprising that we find evils for which, you know, we just have to be like, well, who knows what, whether God would have a reason or what God's reason would be for this Um So the idea is our not being able to see the reasons God might have for allowing evil does not make it probable that there are no such reasons. So that's the skeptical theist view. Um, We talked about that. Okay, so that's our quick summary from last time of just um, uh, ways to respond to the problem of evil. and, um, And I put those on the board because they might become relevant today. A theodicy, a reason why God allows evil, you might want, want a good theodice for why God would allow something like hell, right? And um, You might have to become a skeptical theist at some point and just be like, who knows why God would allow people to suffer eternity in hell. So uh, those have some connection to what we're going to talk about. Okay, so um, we're going to work through our handout. Um, I know some people are listening just on the recording. I don't know why I'm looking at that. Like, you can see me looking at it. <laughs> But for all of you, um, it's really helpful if you look at the handout. I just want to tell you that. okay? Uh, so, yes, yeah, so, Sorry, that was kind of awkward to everybody else. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so some quick terminology. Uh, hell, just a place after death where some experienced torment. Now, I could probably have said more, but I want to be as loose-handed as possible. For example, some people want to put into the definition of hell that there is fire there. <laughs> right. And you're burning. Um, and uh, there's actually dispute about that. The, uh, people get that from some of the scriptural teachings where Jesus talks about hell as a place of fire. Um, a lot of theologians from what, I, from what I've learned actually uh, take that to be metaphorical. But even if it's metaphorical, it's gonna be a metaphor for something bad. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, there's burning, it's great. You know? I don't <laughs> think that's the, that's the purpose. So um, yeah. and there are gonna be different views of hell as we keep talking. Um, that that you'll see as we go on, yeah. Okay, there's a view called uh, traditionalism. Uh, it's the view that at least some people suffer in hell for eternity. Now I'm keeping that a very loose traditionalism. Um, a very more specific traditionalist might say, and here's who goes there, you know, and the, the people who never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you know, those might be the people. Or uh, I mean, you can even have a non-Christian view that might have some people that uh, going to hell for eternity, right? So. Um, like perhaps an Islamic view and so on. Okay, universalism, it's, I don't know, I think of it as a much more happy view. Um, everybody makes it to heaven. And annihilationism, some people will be extinguished at some point. Okay? Um, yeah, so those are some quick definitions. And uh, let me see. So what the main goal for today's talk is going to be to focus in on traditionalism and to see if traditionalism conflicts with theism. Okay, and um, uh, I'm going to, now, I take that as a big picture thing, and that is something people of other religions, for example, um, Muslims, might also be interested in. Um, uh, Since I come from a Christian background, I'll be more interested in some of the Christian nuances of things. Um, One thing about my background is I'm a philosopher, and I'm not a theologian. Okay, so uh, some of these issues, um, for some of you who have a Christian background, and know how to interpret the Bible or interested in um, church history and teaching, Uh, you might know about stuff that I don't know about. So during like Q&A or discussion, I'm happy to be corrected. Um, i more just like thinking about the stuff. Like theologians give me some information and I try to think about it and figure out whether they uh, result in any logical contradictions. Um, The the reason that theology is interesting is one of the things that made me more open to universalism is one of my uh, closest friends... Uh, he's a philosophy professor at University of Missouri right now. Um, he actually became a universalist uh, about, um, about a decade ago, I think. And, and it was purely for theological reasons. From his reading of the Bible, he ended up concluding that everybody ends up going to heaven. It wasn't for philosophical reasons. Some people think you could only be a universalist because you are like emotionally you never want anybody to go to hell. You want everybody to go to heaven. But for him, it was actually more theological from uh, reading certain scriptural texts now i'm not qualified to talk about this stuff and there are some theologically trained people here so uh, maybe some of you will be able to help me out i'm going to be focusing mainly on philosophical points Okay. one more uh, as we talk you might wonder which one is my view and officially i'm just gonna let you right now like last week i had a view and i believe god exists god has a reason for why he allows evils blah 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 uh... in this case i actually don't have a view um, so between traditionalism and annihilationism and Um, universalism, I'm pretty open to to all three. It's kind of like, let's say you're watching a a show on Netflix, and it's come down to like, one of three people is the the murderer, but you're not sure. And you kind of think, well, maybe it's Fred, maybe it's Steve, and maybe it's Jill. And you think they're all roughly (laughs) equally probable. Or maybe it's, you're pretty sure it's not Jill, but it might more likely be Bob, but you can't rule out that it's Jill. right, that's kind of how I am with these three views. uh, which view is true. So, um, yeah, hopefully this helps me to not engage in any heresy. All right, <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> all right, just, if you just don't hold a view, I would always worry when I was applying for philosophy professorship jobs, um, when I applied to Christian universities, you had to sign doctrinal statements. And sometimes I'd be like, I don't know if that fits my view, because I have all these like weird views uh, in Christian <laughs> philosophy. Okay, with that in mind, let's start digging into this handout. Um, so our initial condition questions, it's already what I mentioned before, so I'll just read through it. Um, is the existence of God compatible with anybody suffering eternally in hell? Now, again, some of the more hardcore of you, even perhaps in this room, might even think most people go to hell and suffer eternally. Um, some people think only a small few of us will not be suffering in hell for eternity. Okay? Um, no, those are much stronger claims. Uh, number one is just asking a much more weaker claim. You know, uh, is the existence of a loving, just, powerful God compatible with just anybody suffering in hell for, uh, for eternity? Much more light. Right? Light? All right. Thank you for the... I appreciate these nods. It gets me going. Okay. Number two is... Um, is kind of goes with more of that specific question. Is the existence of God compatible with people in category X suffering eternally in hell? And... Uh, Category X might be the unevangelized, um, the poorly evangelized. Sometimes it's better that you were never evangelized to a. You know, um, a lot of Christians ask, like, what about those who have never heard about Jesus? What happens to them, right? Sometimes the, what's worse is the people who heard about Jesus, but by very, you know, um, like, uh, what, obnoxious people, right? That can make you just, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to be like them. Or people with uh, insufficient evidence. So um, you can fill in category X. As you like, and so I want to focus on proposition or the question number one. Okay, so let's jump into the meat. Uh, And uh, okay, so here's a puzzle about hell for someone who believes in um, any kind of Judeo-Christian-Islamic, you know, perfect being God. Uh, So A, letter A says God is perfectly just. B says if God is perfectly just, then no one will suffer everlasting torment in hell. C. A perfectly just God will send some people to suffer everlasting torment in hell. Now, the point of this is it's a puzzle. Uh, you would think after reading A and B, you would have read the denial, of C, see, right? Uh, the opposite. So that's why it's a puzzle. You can't hold all three of these uh, consistently. You gotta get rid of one of them. Um, y'all, y'all seen that, okay? Uh, the self, lost your up things logically, you can't accept all three, okay? So, okay, um, so, I don't think anybody who holds to the sort of God we're talking about, a perfect supreme being, um, which I don't think anybody's going to deny A, so uh, let's accept um, that A, God is perfectly just. Um, <coughs> C, some of you might deny this if you are either an annihilationist or a universalist. We'll discuss those options later because our focus is the traditionalist mm-hmm. view. So that leaves us with denying B, or discussing B. Uh, B is the view that if God is perfectly just, then nobody will suffer eternal, everlasting torment at all. Now, why think that? Okay. Um, so basically the way this handout and our discussion will work is I'm going to just talk through the handout and try to teach it. There's going to be these places where I go, yeah, kind of um, It's in bold. And that's where I'm going to ask if you have any questions or whether you accept the things I'm saying or whether you find, whether you find it um, ridiculous. Okay, so uh, discussion of B. God is perfectly just, and no one will suffer everlasting torment in hell. Here's how somebody might respond to B. And I, I've heard this from people in churches. So They say things like, well, everybody sinned. And so since everybody sinned, everybody deserves everlasting. You deserve hell if you sinned. Okay, that, that's, that's kind of a knee-jerk reaction. Um, okay. Well, the first point of, about B is, Actually, not everybody sinned. I, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I don't think infants sin. The sufficiently mentally ill have sinned, um, and so I, I feel like the the person who says that has to be has to be wrong. Not everybody sinned. Um, I don't know what you think about that, but uh, you can come, but we can come and ask me that later. Um, and okay, but the person attacking B can still say, well, at least some people have sinned, and so deserve eternal torment. Okay, so once you sin, you know you deserve hell. Um, All right, so uh, now let's try to see some of the reasons for accepting B. So now we're going on to what I call Pro-B in the handout. Uh, Mm. So why think if God's perfectly just, then nobody's going to ever suffer everlasting torment in hell? Well, here's the reasoning. Perfect justice requires that the punishment fits the crime. Yes, all fully functional adults sin, but nobody's sins in this life could ever merit everlasting torment in hell. The idea is this. Uh, a finite sin should merit a finite punishment. Doesn't that make sense? Right. So, I mean, it's that's why I, that's why you know little sixteen-year-old Andrew was what, what he was latching onto, like he was grasping on this idea that infinite punishment seems overkill for a finite sin. Okay. All right. So, so we have the problem here. Do y- y'all feel that? For some of you who might be traditionalists, right? A uh, finite sin does not match an infinite punishment terribly unjust. Terribly. Okay. Um, all right, so I'm gonna give one response to that and then we're gonna see what people think and if you have any questions on the things we said up till then. Okay, um, against B, and I put it, like I indexed it so that you, in marks, you know, where it's trying to respond, apply to the earlier point. Um, perhaps the punishment can fit the crime. Here's two ways to argue for that, okay. Um, those who end up in hell are those who will continue to sin, and thus will continue to merit more and more punishment. So imagine imagine somebody who goes to jail. Like, if you're the okay, this is actually false. I'm, I'm going to just say stuff that's probably false, okay? Uh, which is, well, if you're going to be the sort of person who goes to jail, you're probably the sort of person who will keep doing wrong things. And so as you, you know, start fights in the cafeteria and jail, you know, then your sentence will be elongated, right? Extended, that's much better. Yeah, <laughs> i um, anyway, uh, will not give the Anyway, it will be extended. Um, and so he just keeps sinning in hell forever. Then the punishment will fit the crime. So, okay, so um, any questions so far? And what do you people think about that response? Uh, is, that, is that good? I'm going to wait before. I'm gonna, um, yeah, Cooper, then we'll go to. Okay.
1: make them stop sinning and so punish them
0: for something that they don't really have under control anymore no. is not just. Yeah. Well, let's see. So I guess this response is saying in the situation in which someone does freely continue to sin, then the punishment would fit the crime because they will continue to be punished for continual sins they make. Now, let's take, think about another person who just no mm-hmm. longer has any free will because of the situations. Um, then this, w- this response wouldn't apply to them. Right. But yeah.
1: to say that you know that they're going to keep on continually sinning, uh-huh. that's to say that there's no probability of them stopping <gasps> Oh, it does. Speak. Oh. Ooh. And so, yeah. ergo, there's, there's no, there's no uh, there's okay. possible option where they're going to stop sinning. So uh, I, is
0: uh, yeah, OK. So but I think I those were my initial thoughts. Right, right. OK. So I think you hold this sort of view. If God knows what you're going to do, then you then when you do do it, it's not free, right? If somebody knows fully ahead of time what you're going to do, it's not free. Okay, some people hold that. Um, a lot of people in the Christian tradition think that even if God knows what you're going to do in the future, um, you can still be free in your actions. Um, now, that's another discussion to be had. Um, we could do a whole section on that. So this is just assuming that God can know the future completely and God can know what you're going to do and you're still but I have to put it aside as, like, kind of, ah, that's a huge can of words. Hot worms, how can God know the future and we still be free? Um, yeah, so good point. Yeah, Aaron.
2: I was going to say that this is essentially what Aquinas believes. Oh, is it Aquinas? Yeah, is it? yeah, this is almost, this is pretty much just uh, a rewording of what Aquinas thinks. Um, Thomas Aquinas, because of his philosophical psychology, he thinks that the wills is an appetite for the good and it's fed by your intellect, which determines different goods. Hmm. And so if somebody dies having once they're dead, their intellect can't apprehend anything else to change their use of will. And so no. they just continue to will evil I infinitely.
0: I see. Well, I didn't know Christ thought that. And yeah. Thank you. I learned something new. I'm glad to know it's not from – originally from Michael <laughs> <one of> Murray or <laughs> Two <laughs> philosophers who <laughs> exist right now. Um, <coughs> it's good to have a theologian in the room who knows these things. Can you tell – even by the way he talks, it's like, oh, theology terms. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, okay, yeah, cool. So, um, yeah, is, is this reasonable? Also, anything on the, uh, about the the idea? Well, no, I'll just, any other objections to this sort of idea? But, uh, um, yeah, oh, what's your name?
2: Alex. Alex, yeah. not that some people deserve hell more than others. It's just that some people have chosen to say yes to the grace that was given to them. But maybe that sidesteps this problem of like people. And, do, do you see what I'm saying?
0: Um. Okay. Um. Actually, no, I don't. So uh, let's let's work it through, though. So, so I'm say you know, that one more
2: time. The yeah.
3: wages of
0: sin is death. Yes. I don't know what the word.
2: Contingent on do you receive that gift or not? Not so much yeah. of are you the kind of person who would keep sinning at an uh, item? Yeah, so you go to hell. yeah, so you're
0: giving a point about how a lot of Christians think that people can um, be be saved, right, by grace, mm-hmm. right? Uh, um, yeah, so there's less, fewer people are worried about the idea of. So people are worried about uh, a just God or a loving God sending people to hell. But they don't complain as much about God being gracious and bringing people to heaven. That people like that part. Uh, so, so that's not the problem. The problem is, on the traditionalist view, the people who are going to hell. Okay, um, could an infinite punishment be a fitting punishment for um, a finite sin? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm, yeah. Ju- I'm just trying to like focus on that issue. Yeah. So maybe it was yeah. the side yeah. Step? yeah. Yeah. Well, that's and that's fine. Yeah. We, we normally have to work out our thoughts and. Things. Uh, Okay, we'll take two more, and then we'll have to move on. Yeah. Um, What's your name again? My name is Christian. Christian. Okay, that's a fitting name. So (laughs) I guess. Um, and that would uh, infinite. Oh, punishment? well I see. So while they're in hell, um, they keep not doing things that they should be doing. Um, yeah, maybe yeah. there's other people in philosophy use this example where like there's a drowning child and you could easily save them save them and you're like, Eh, whatever, and you walk away. <laughs> so that's supposed to be like a sin of omission, right? Yeah. And maybe there's in hell there's all these drowning children that you're like, eh whatever and you're just continually not saving.
4: Yeah. And those can
0: keep building up infinitely, yeah. Okay, that's a, it's an odd view, the way I fleshed it out, but I get the idea. I think it doesn't really matter whether it's since a commission or sins of omission. Either way, in hell, there might be more opportunities to keep sinning, and hence uh, further um, further punishment. Yeah, so. All right, oh yeah, last, um, yeah, go. It's okay, forget yeah. my name. Yeah, it, it, it left it's me. Fine. I'm so sorry. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I was I guess I...
4: Part of me wonders if there's another variable in here that it's yeah. who you're sitting against that uh, would play into
0: this length of punishment. Hey, that goes up, goes <laughs> to <laughs> the but next bullet point. Oh, yeah, sorry. so, so um, too far. yeah. One thing, though, is, like, we do have this idea, like, if I flick someone's ear, you know, I, I did a minor wrong, minor punishment, mm-hmm. You flick my ear back. Um, but, you know, the, the worst of a bad thing somebody does the longer their jail punishment, right? So, um, like there, we do think like, and most of the things we'll be, we do would be a finite badness. So, but okay, let's go to part on um, the next bullet point. Um, okay. So the badness of a sin, so the claim goes, depends on the value and worth of who you're sinning against. Compare wronging a plant versus wronging a mouse versus wronging a human. Okay. Um, now the the idea I want to say is um, it's worse to wrong the mouse than the plant, especially if it's a very nice mouse. Um, and then wronging a human is worse than wronging a mouse, especially if it's a nice human. That, think of it as a nice, <laughs> nice human. Okay. <laughs> nice human. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like sinning against God would be of infinite severity because now you're like wronging the person at the top of the totem pole. Okay. Um, so you could say. Your sin on this earth is actually a sin against God, a, a being of infinite worth. And that's why your sin merits infinite punishment. Okay. Uh, that's kind of where you're going, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. Uh, so, what, what do people – yeah. Do, do people think that works? Is that convincing? Sam. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So okay. So you agree with this? Yeah, So um, it's true that you can do some of these right, uh, both at the same time. So I just finished reading Harry Potter and Prisoners of Azkaban <laughs> lately, and, uh, and Ron has this mouse. Oh, good book. oh thank you. Yeah, Wait, oh, wait, why did I say thank you? <laughs> um, yeah, but Ron has this mouse. Now, um, let's say it's somebody's pet mouse, Ron, and I, I kill the mouse. I wrong the mouse, but I've also wronged Ron, right? Uh, right? Yeah, so uh, you can do these things both at once. So it might be that... In um, wronging a fellow human, you're also wronging God. Uh, that, that's the idea, right? Yeah, Seeing, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just using a Harry Potter yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I also okay. I guess <laughs> it's too late. It's, <laughs> it's pretty it's late. 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 That's <laughs> yeah. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. <laughs> Aaron. Go ahead.
2: portion. Yep. So Anselm views that even if we could somehow atone for the sin yep. personally that we've committed against God, which yep. he doesn't think we can do, but if we assume for the sake of argument that you can, you could never come up with something that would be sufficient enough right. to be the pleasing gift to God on your own. That's what he views the sacrifice of that yep. God. That's is. why he the information. To you. Yeah. Right, right, right.
0: Okay, good. Well, looks like the should they come home? Oh yeah, they were philosophers. <laughs> <laughs> the contemporary philosophers should be reading their medieval philosophers. Sorry, okay. um, um, <laughs> Stephen, I had to keep moving aside. Yeah, on. Yeah, yeah um, we can always come back to this too. Um, yeah, so I'm going to try to make sure, I'm realizing our time is going and I'm sharing like Harry Potter stories. So I'm going to try to make sure we get through this handout and then um, th- try to have some time at the end uh, for, um, so you can save up your questions. Um, one issue I have about the wronging, I feel like punishment is not just about you're wrong but um, how blameworthy you are for what you did. So um, let's say there's a, a great person and I accidentally, you know I, I'm just walking through a field and I end up messing up their lawn. But I had no idea who I was wronging, right? Then um, it seems like the, my punishment you know I wasn't like uh, one of you talked about like your heart intent. like a lot of people, I mean, they're not intentionally saying they're sinning against God. They're just doing wrong things against fellow people. But um, especially if you're an atheist or an agnostic, you don't realize that's what you're doing. So, um, yeah. But some people do, and so maybe for such people that are, you know, I always want there's some YouTube videos of people like trying to say, you know, blasting the Holy Spirit. That's what yes. They like they make videos where they try to do this. Maybe they <laughs> would be included. Okay. Um, all right. Well, those are some attempts. I. There would be more uh, disagreement. Um, Okay, so against B, hell is not only about punishment. So here's another way to think of some things. Uh, So there's kind of two views, and they're actually compatible, so you can combine them, about the role of hell. So hell could be, one, more about punishment. But it, it could also be about what's called natural consequences. So hell is about people suffering the natural consequences of their freely and selfish actions. Um, So it's not only about God punishing them, although that can be part of it. So um, God can be be perfectly just, and some people will suffer everlasting torment in hell for another reason. Uh, I'm going to keep moving past this um, because we're going to end up discussing it more later, this natural consequences idea. Um, That's, you get, you see it in especially in Lewis. We'll talk about it more in a bit. Okay. So one one puzzle about God and hell asks whether the existence of God can be compa- whether hell could be the, compatible with uh, God's justice. Um, I think that might be a little bit easier to care, um, to account for. Um, a little bit harder is saying that uh, the existence of hell could be compatible with God's love. Okay, so that's going to be a little bit harder. Um, some people might say, oh, they deserve the punishment for their sin. Blah blah blah. That's just, but. Um, Love is a whole other factor, and you'll see that as we work through this handout. Okay, so the love puzzle about hell goes like this. Um, um, one, God is all-loving. Two, if God is all-loving, then nobody will suffer everlasting torment in hell. Uh, but three, a all loving God will send some people to suffer everlasting torment in hell. So one, two, and three, again, like earlier, you can't hold all three. Okay? And number one, we're going gonna to keep God as being all-loving. And we're gonna assume three is true since we're discussing more of the traditional view. So that um, but if you accepted three, you would be either an annihilationist or a universalist. Okay, so let's go with two. If God is all-loving, then nobody will suffer everlasting torment in hell. So let's discuss two. Um, <coughs> so how do you argue against two? That even if God's all-loving, God would still let some people suffer everlasting torment in hell. Here's how. God honors people's free will and lets them form their characters by their choices. God cannot force or determine people to freely choose to love him. Uh, this wouldn't be love, and we, we, we'd just be, that's the type. of we would just be, we'd just be pre-programmed robots. Okay? So, so the whole idea of hell is uh, some people, we live in our selfishness. Uh, we we like to turn inward or think we're the center of the world. Um and as we do this, we, we become the sort of person that wouldn't like God because if God exists, God would be the center of the world. You know, I mean, almost literally. Um, and so uh, um, so people sometimes choose away from God, uh, choose away from loving God and so forth. Okay? Um, and God wants to honor people's free choice. God doesn't want people to be forced into loving him. Okay? Um, so, so that's kind of a, an idea of what viewing hell as natural consequences would be, and it wouldn't necessarily be about punishment. Okay, so, uh, and you can hold that, it oh, plays both of these roles. Okay. Now, what's a response to that? Okay. In defense of two, somebody could say, but God can predestine whomever he wants to freely choose heaven and hell. Okay. And if he's all loving, then he would have predestined everybody freely to choose heaven. So this is the idea that God can predestine you this kind of goes to what uh, Cooper said. God can predestine you to do something and you can still be free. Okay? Um, okay. <laughs> um, now, the, against you, the, the Calvinist might say, uh, might agree with the first person, God predestines whomever he wants to go to heaven or hell. But, um, since God can do whatever he wants, uh, he's going to send some people to hell and God can do what God wants. Uh, yeah. Uh, go read in Romans 9, the, the Calvinist kind of, you know, points you to Romans nine. It's a it's a verse that seems to uh, push in that direction. Okay. Now the, the thing I wanna um, I wanna push in response to that is it really does seem incompatible with God's love to be like that. So uh, I don't take a lot of theological stances, but and I'm a little bit open to Calvinism, a view that God kind of predestines some people to heaven and then doesn't predestine some people to hell. And on some views of free will, I I don't even like this view of free will, but God can predestine you and you're still freely doing it. doesn't make sense. But anyway, um, so, uh, um, yeah. But that just doesn't seem fitting with God's love. Okay. So, some of you might be reformed or colonists in this room. And uh, I, I still embrace you as a potential <laughs> friend. Um, maybe a um, mandatory, obligatory brother or sister in Christ. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, what do you guys think about that? Uh, this one. Yeah, Eric.
2: In against two you two, but God yeah. can predestine whoever who wants to freely choose heaven or hell. Are you yeah. assuming that God has middle knowledge? That God can know true counterfactuals of human decisions, like that he'll know that if we were in the situation, then yeah, we would do. It. Yeah. So
0: yeah, there's going to be two ways by which God predestines. So some of you won't follow exactly what we're going to be saying right now, but um, you c- it could be either in a in a. Um, Stronger Augustine Calvinist way or uh, a Molinist middle knowledge way. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. If
2: you assume middle knowledge, then the second sentence, and if he's all looking at it, he would have predestined everybody freely to choose. Oh, 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 I see. I don't see how that follows, uh, yeah. especially if you, if right. you take a view of feasibility like Planning does. Right, like right, yeah, can, yeah, yeah. There yeah. might be yeah. some people who, no matter what the world is, will yeah. do it um, because all of right. other reasons. Yeah. So this is a.
0: I keep talking about you like in the third person. This person's <laughs> Uh, Yeah, so this – I like how you you're read on both your philosophy and your theology. (laughs) That's right. So um, forget that. Yeah, this – rule out Molinism. So this view, we're just picking the – yeah, the the columnist way. Yeah. Um, I can feel Bill Craig getting like a shiver. No, 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 no. Sorry. Um, What I mean is, like, for this – Well, um, well, it's more – we'll discuss the columnist first. There will be some Molinist options later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, specifically, I wanted a this view discussed here. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Can I just, like, maybe point out a no argument on your side when you just, it yeah. doesn't seem like that's compatible with us. Yeah. No. like, what well, kind of thing is that? <laughs> maybe it doesn't seem like this. it is. It doesn't seem like Yeah, <laughs> so that's actually part of why I put this on the board, the skeptical theism part, um, which is, this is what I don't like about skeptical theism, actually part of it, which is, so, the, okay, for other people, the skeptical theist says, well, you know, God's really big. God knows a lot of things we don't know, and um, and God could very well could have a, so, just as God could very well have a reason for along the Holocaust, you've already said that, Andrew, right? I'm like, yeah, I did say that. And the first person is, well, if God could have a reason for the Holocaust, couldn't God have a reason for, for hell? And I had to be like... Well who knows what God wants, you know, maybe God <laughs> does want that, yeah. Um, and I, I but I just I don't know, you know the skeptical theest has to draw a line somewhere. An everlasting suffering in hell forever. It just seems a bit doesn't it seem like overkill, right? Like 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 it's like to be like, um, wait, what's your name again? Sam? No, 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 no. Shane. Shame. What a shame where like, Sam, I love you. And compatible with my loving you is Having you suffer for eternity. Like, do you know how long eternity is? Like, it's like really long. It's, not like it's <laughs> eternal. Yes. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you not feel it? Or, uh, like <laughs> no. You don't feel it. So it's because of the skeptical theism. Yeah. Right? That, like, I, um, like I know
3: a God who, who loves people, and I feel like a God who I know says sends people to hell. And that's mostly.
4: still disagree, mm-hmm. but I think I thought your objection was something like, uh, "So here's the Calvinist view. Ah, uh, yeah, that's inconsistent with the concept of love." Right? Uh-huh. So you think that you think that you understand love well enough to see that it's inconsistent with the Calvinist view? Uh,
0: this Calvinist view, right? I think so. Yeah. Although, although my concern is that so it's not it's not as if you're running through a, a nocium inference where you're saying,
4: "As far as I can." There is no there is reason why no like God to allow something like hell. Yeah. there is no reason for God to allow hell. You're not—that's right. I'm not that using lie. that no semen phrase. That's right. You're arguing um, love is like this, however you're conceiving of love. Yeah. Um, and that's inconsistent with yeah. the Calvinist view. Yeah. So then, um, you, then you all even disagree about the nature of love. <laughs> yeah,
0: Donald. I appreciate your your care for slow and rigorous thought. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just. Getting riled up, and you know, um, so it do- it doesn't apply here, but I think Sam's point will apply later, and um, yeah, I'm actually torn within, if you can feel the battle with my soul. Um, let's keep let's keep pushing pushing on um, uh, to some use, um, and we might revisit this because I think it's really important. Um, um, okay, so pro two, here's what some so. Um, the communist view would say, like God can predestine and kind of maneuver people's free will to do the right thing. Um, and to me, actually, it's not just the love part. I don't understand that sort of free will. Uh, but a lot of philosophers do hold this view. There's a, some of you, go, some of you are philosophy majors. There's two views about among people who believe in free will: the compatibilist view and uh, and the libertarian view. Um, so I, I do fall under the libertarian. Things can't be de- determined and free. The compatibilist says things can be determined and free, and then the people who are compatibilists are likely to say, "So God can predestine and we can still be free." But um, I, again, it just it doesn't you know it, it doesn't seem right. Okay, so um, but yeah, I, there's a lot of really smart philosophers who are compatibilists. It might actually be the majority of you in philosophy these days, unfortunately. Okay, um, pro two. Um, <laughs> Suppose libertarianism, then, that God can't predestine people to freely choose what's right, or predestine in a deterministic way. Um, okay? So, some people could say, well, maybe an all-loving God should just override people's free will and force them into heaven. Okay? So, um, look, if you want a God who respects people's free will, okay, then it's not up to God whether people end up in heaven or not. Right? So, the um, it's either God lets them to stay in hell for eternity if they keep. Freely choosing hell, eternally, or God's just like zap, you know, and they like kind of, you know, z- um, shoot and um, zap, annihilate the the neurons in the brain that help you have free will. Um, okay, and um, I guess a response. I'm just gonna go through these back and forth. Heaven is supposed to be a place where for people who freely love and submit to God in His glory. So if that's incompatible with God's love to force people in this way, uh, I'm gonna keep moving on. Um, Pro to maybe an all-loving God should just annihilate the people who will not freely choose heaven. So you have a problem for people who hold this robust free will, but then you don't want God to allow them into heaven. Oh, sorry, allow them to be in hell forever. Um, Okay, so um, here I wanna I wanna pause on this point, um, which is suppose you hold a traditionalist view that people are in, in hell forever. Wouldn't it be better if God just... Because they're freely choosing to be in hell forever. What if the more loving thing to do would be for God to just annihilate them? Just like extinguish them? Um, Doesn't that seem a little bit nicer? Uh, Anybody? Who who feels that? It would be more loving to annihilate. Only three of you? Okay, who feels the other way? Uh, Oh, four. Who feels it would be more loving to keep them alive in heaven? Anybody feel that way? Okay, nobody does. Okay, so a bunch of you weren't voting. So that means a lot of you are on the fence, right? (laughs) 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 Can there be a third option? What's the (laughs) third (laughs) option? So instead of annihilating or leaving them there, maybe there is
3: another chance.
0: Another chance. Oh, oh, oh. So you
3: could say
0: I don't know. I think you're not Catholic, but purgatory, or there could be other options. I don't think there's just those two options. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the problem here isn't um, there. So I, I am very friendly toward a view that allows for second chances in the afterlife. Um, I dare say I might actually believe this. One. <laughs> Whoa! Um, so, so, but the problem I think isn't um, isn't the people who eventually freely choose heaven or freely choose God or turn away from this. And um, the problem is the people who keep using their free will to go against God. And those are the people God's going to have trouble with because they keep wanting to do the wrong thing a loving thing for God to do to just let them stay there forever, continue using their free will, um, or to just you know zap them.
2: Yeah. Uh, Aaron. If you have a possibility of second chances, though, if you yeah. allow for a hell uh, that is infinite as long as it's needed, then people could um, stay there and, in theory, could all eventually be saved. But it could just yeah. take an infinite amount of time.
0: Yeah, but it might be that in the infinite amount of time.
2: Yeah, well, then, yeah, I think a lot of that will depend on how you view God's sovereignty. Like, does God – and this is no. how Lewis describes it, is that he thinks that there's two people, that there's those who say to God, "I yeah. will be done, or those right. that God says to them, thy will be done. Yeah, so. I'm thinking about the second people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but someone denies the second people
0: exist. Yeah. One thing about free will also – this goes to Cooper's earlier point – is um, there's a view of free will that I find very um, appealing. Appealing as it like, seems true, which is um, – so philosophers talk about a thing called self-forming actions. So earlier in life, you know, you make choices, and choices kind of end up, <coughs> like, um, they start shaping who you are so that it becomes easier to do that thing each time. Um, I've never drinking coffee, uh, but my wife does, and now I feel like she can't go without it. Like, and she's, like, so, like, she's formed her character to be a coffee drinker forever. I know some of you here are like that, too. Um, you're everywhere. Um, but, uh, um... And so I think that just with general, generally, like, with each, which each action we freely perform, um, just we're habit-forming creatures, and it's part of who we are, right? Um, it's I think it's part of God's um, grace, actually, to let, to allow us to choose to become certain people, okay? But the more you become a certain sort of person, what does it mean to be a certain sort of person? To have certain inclinations, desires, um, you know, dispositions to freely choose certain things. So it might be that, but um, I, 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 I'm friendly to a view that most of your truly free choices are, like, in early in life, in your 20s and 30s. Your later free choices are just a result of the, the sort of character you formed earlier. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, doesn't that seem about right? You know, that's why older people, like, that's they're less likely to change their minds. about. So it's, it's, it's true. Um, so that, that makes me a little more, like um, – Oh, just give them more time and hell, and they'll finally, you know, come around. Uh, but I think they'll just be more um, entrenching themselves. Um, okay, um, so that's annihilation. Okay, let's keep pushing on. Um, okay, here's where what, another idea. Per, uh, an all-loving God wouldn't create people that he knew would freely— This is bringing the middle knowledge, by the way. An all-loving God wouldn't create people that he knew would freely reject him and find themselves in eternal horror okay um, okay some people against to think that God can't could never know such a thing um, other people think only okay, when Craig says stuff like this <laughs> um, it might have been that God's creating people he knew would freely reject him was actually necessary for others to freely accept him um, yeah uh, that's rough isn't it <laughs> that's rough uh, <laughs> so um... Yeah. Um, <laughs> what about those poor
1: people who he's sentencing to really reject him and then are going to go burn in hell or whatever? I mean, well, that seems like that's that contradicts the tenet of an all-loving God, right? You
0: know well, well, that, that oh, that's the concern yeah. I have. Yeah, that's that's the concern I have. Um, yeah. Thoughts on this? Uh, uh, yeah. I have a thought.
4: <laughs> yeah. just like like the text is very clear it says that like god hardened pharaoh's heart yeah so like it seems to be that like it was on purpose Uh
0: uh-huh Yeah, so uh, this is going to be my like. I'm not a theologian, so right, I'm not sure right, what to say. Right. I mean, part of me would say there's two ways to take that. One is, and that's what God j- does generally with people. He hardens people's heart, influences them so that they, if you, you um, so that they perform certain wrong actions, um, like Pharaoh did. Now, if you take that too too far, you end up with um, the sort of Calvinist view i was sketching up above, um, where kind of God's pr- predestining people to do the wrong thing and then be in hell forever now that's a view that I have a hard, have a hard time with Sure. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah but you could also say like in that text it also talks about Pharaoh hardening his heart not mm-hmm. just about God hardening his right, heart yeah. so you might think Pharaoh is also getting some of his free will in there as well so um, yeah but I, I'm not going to know what to say about certain sure, verses yeah. um, right so so I'm uh, kind of taking a step back where we're kind of in this place where, okay, you want to believe in God, you, um, you want to believe in people being in hell for eternity, then you want to say things like, okay, is that compatible with God's love? Well, if you think it's compatible with God's love, that God allows people to freely choose to be in hell or choosing against God for eternity, um, and totally you might think that uh, annihilation is better. Or you might think that it's better for God to override people's free will. Um, Yeah. Uh, Or you might think that it would have been better for God to just not have ever created those people. But it might be that God, for some reason, had other reasons to create those people. So there's actually a lot of options to work with and figure out. And um, with this, it's kind of like, you know, there's five or six people, and I'm not sure which one's the murderer. for a, b- a lot of these reviews, um, I don't have a firm view on them. They're, these are just kind of like directions you could go in your thinking. Uh, le- I'm just gonna end, um, and then we'll do a quick five minute Q&A. Pretty quick. Uh, I guess we've been doing a lot of Q&A anyway. Um, discussion of three, the universalist alternative, and all of I mean God. So deny three, um, okay? Um, you can be universalist or annihilationist. So um, a number of people, um, Some Christian philosophers I know think that hell is temporary. So, the, um, a lot of the verses in hell do speak of hell. Births in the Bible do speak of hell. Uh, but you might think they're temporary and eventually people could reform and turn toward God. Uh, and it might be that God only created people he knew would eventually freely accept him, even in hell. Okay? Now, it's a, it's a nice view. Doesn't that sound so nice? Right? No, no it doesn't. Sound okay. I didn't get smiles from everyone. Um, on the other side, though, most of Christian tradition and even some Bible verses are against this. So if you're a Christian, this might not be much of an option for you. Um, if you want to point out, there, there, are some Christian, there are some Bible verses for it, like Colossians 1 and Philippians 2, seem to be pushing toward, you know, God, um, and Colossians 1, talking about God reconciling all things to himself, other things in heaven or on earth, right? So, um, so uh, I mean, I think that, that says something, um, but I'm no theologian, so not really quite that qualified to talk about that topic. So um, I'm just saying that that's an option. And uh, one thing I also want to make clear is like, these are all options for, I think, that are within like Christian views. Like, <laughs> like Christians could hold various of these views, um, maybe getting closer and closer to that, that heresy line <laughs> uh, but I'm not. Sure. I, don't, I don't see anything in the creeds or in the official church teaching like so that. Like clearly rule out universalism um, or annihilationism. So I, I'm willing to be corrected on that. Uh, okay. Yeah. So officially, I'm done. We have. We'll just take six minutes for questions. Uh, so yeah.
2: Aaron. On this, uh, most of Christian tradition piece. Yeah. Purely like in the raw numbers game. Yeah, that's true. Um, but especially when you go back to the church fathers, like Saint Gregory Nis is the one that I worked with the most, who was very strong. Purgatory universalism or anything like that, but just that when Augustine came up with his particular view of hell, it uh-huh. was way more popular.
0: I see. So there, there's mm-hmm.
2: nothing to stop someone from going back and saying this is a thoroughly Christian view, even if it hasn't been the most popular mm-hmm. historical right.
0: view. So Augustine kind of turns sway the tide. Yeah, tides, but, but right. even
2: Augustine mm-hmm. in his Inchiridians specifically calls out these sorts of views and say says there are people who don't believe in internal hell, but, and this is the direct quote, such persons do not set themselves against scripture. So he admits, mm-hmm. I think they're wrong
0: Um, yeah, so this is very useful. Thanks, Aaron. Um, and, and these are on the theology aspects of things. And I think uh, one thing I do encourage for people who are Christian believers is try to, like, connect your philosophy with your theology. Like, don't let them be in separate boxes, but try to unify them um, so that you're a more coherent believer. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, other questions just on this generally? Um, and if not, we, I kind of want to return to the, the Sam's point. Any, any, Yeah. I have a couple observations. Sure. Yeah. One is uh, predestination. Yeah. person becoming either more of a heavenly creature yeah. or a hellish creature yeah. throughout their life as the character develops.
4: Yeah. Um, so in in the afterlife you're getting what you actually want. uh uh-huh. So what makes it hell
0: is that you have to live with yourself the way you've And so this very much fits the natural consequences, you know, right. like the self-forming actions. Yeah, it seems like we're – it's getting at the same point. Yeah. So in the afterlife, you're choosing to be separate from God. If, yeah. If, if you choose God. Yeah. So, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. And, and, and the idea, though, is um, – so this is why um, for people who are less into the punishment, more natural consequences, more um, like um, – wait, what's your name again? A lot more like Norm is saying, like, um, you're kind of living with yourself and in your selfishness. That's why I kept my definition of how I'll just, like, a place, a bad place where people experience torment. I avoided the fire stuff because when I read C.S. Lewis um, – by the way, a great – just a piece of literature, C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce. It's just a marvelous piece, um, and uh, at least for t- a lot of contemporary um, Protestants – a lot of people's imaginations about how have been shaped by uh, C.S. Lewis, um, and uh, yeah, and it needn't necessarily being this. Ah, I'm, I'm in fire all the time. I mean, oh man, like I, like that would definitely be seem really inconsistent with a loving God, um, right, Sam? <laughs> no. But at least. <laughs> And, and you okay, you at least think it seems that way. Sure. Yeah, it seems That's that way. way. If, yeah. if you're taking- Sorry, um, Cooper has her hand raised, so... Well, Wait, I have
1: Cooper. a question about sort of what Sam was saying. Yeah. So if something, you know, if, if you're not willing to trust what seems true, what happens if you feel like you've had a revelation, but that's just your sense is deluding you?
0: So, but you mean by um, revelation, like scripture, right? Yes. Or yeah. Yeah, well, Yeah. Um, um, okay. Um. Yes, she, huh. Sorry. You're Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's where the Holy. I like literally asked this question like last week to <laughs> you and, Hannah, and like that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. If we believe that He's a real thing,
1: He will correct you because He doesn't want you if you're truly seeking Him to have that gross misinterpretation.
0: So yes. So yeah. This, so here's what what yeah. motivates part of my skeptical theism. So when I think of something like the Holocaust, um, part of it is I think. Okay, there's a lot of suffering on this earth, like intense suffering in the Holocaust, things that are unimaginable to me. But I think, you know, could there be goods in heaven that defeat these evils uh, for such people? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what they are. Um, And so, uh, okay, so I go like that. Um, But the idea of somebody suffering in hell for eternity, well, uh, and eternally, right? Then there's no heaven to kind of play that defeat. I think that, for me, that's a difference between the the, the holoca- a Holocaust case and the hell case. Uh, I mean, a Holocaust is going to end. Um, hell's not. Um, yeah. Okay, actually, I'm sorry. Uh, we are out of time. So um, I would like to continue a certain of these, some of these conversations afterwards, so please talk. Uh, yeah, <laughs> thanks for listening. But first, yeah, yeah. Oh. let's thank
4: uh, yeah. the <laughs>